Hello, and welcome to The Whitaker Show, a conservative show geared towards religion and politics. Thank you for tuning in. Hello and welcome. My name is William and this is The Whitaker Show. This is the Tuesday Christian segment where my goal is to ultimately talk about God and to prove that He exists in any way possible, just to expound about how awesome He is. This series that's going to take place over this whole month in four episodes is going to be Proving God. The ultimate goal is to show you why I believe in God and so should you. This show is going to air every Tuesday, like I said before, and like we're going to dive into month-long topics. Every month there will be a new one. Um, I do welcome your feedback on this, about what you want to hear about, what you would like to have discussed. And if this show does bring people to Christ, that would be amazing. It's also there to help strengthen your current faith if you have it. And just to give more details and to show how you can defend your own faith in as many ways as possible. Because arming you with information is my ultimate goal. I'm not really here to preach at you. I'm here to preach with you. The first part of the show, honestly, is going to be geared toward you just knowing certain facts. God is not irrelevant. Um, the culture does try to dictate that uh, there is no real point in God, as if there was a creator, then why does all this bad stuff happen? You know, all the usual excuses not to believe in God. God is not just a crutch to help you out. In fact, Nowhere does it say that life will be easier just because you believe in the creator of all life. Nowhere. In fact, life will oftentimes get harder. Job was, his life was instantly rendered harder through his faith. But, but the ultimate goal was a justification through Christ in his struggles. That's a separate point. The first point is just to let you know that God is real and he does love you. And there's nothing that you can't do without God in your life. That's what's so cool, though, is that were it not for God, the Christian God, what would be the point in living? There wouldn't be a point. See, like morality tells us, and by morality I mean what the popular culture dictates as morality, that we are supposed to do good things and that doing these good things is what ultimately leads you to a better life. Well, that sounds great, but what happens when you die? What happens when you live a good quotes, life, and you die. Well, the whole point is there are tons of religions in the world and they all say that if you die, then you go to their afterlife. And that sounds wonderful. But if you don't believe in that, I kind of wonder what's the point in being moral, right? Because beyond natural needs, there is no higher calling if you just live by morality. Yes, we could help out our fellow man and make the world a better place. But without God, what is morality? And what would be the point if we just are to die and no more. Ecclesiastes 1.3 says, What does a man gain by all the toil at which he toils under the sun? Basically saying, what's the point in toiling were you not to have a higher calling? Were there not to be a God? Were there not to be a reward or a place for your actions, right? Ecclesiastes 9.5 says, For the living know that they will die, but the dead know nothing. And they have no more reward, for the memory of them is forgotten and it's not forgotten because their actions weren't weren't good or because their actions weren't weren't justified they're forgotten right unless they're 
actions are pleasing to God. The whole point is we live for Christ, right? Because he lives for us every day. He chooses us every single day. And what's wonderful about that is that now other like, religions can claim that. They have to perform certain actions. They have to do certain deeds. We don't have to do that here as Christians. While it's great to live for God, you could get saved and technically just live your life. Now, I would argue that you're not truly saved unless you're living for Christ. Unless you're constantly, consciously making an effort to, to read his word and to believe in him and to constantly change your heart and your life towards him, to get closer, to draw closer to God, right? And so what that means is, is that everything that you do needs to be, needs to be biblically based. Now, it is and can be very hard to live for Christ and it kind of be, it kind of seem like he's not really there for you. Though I think anyone who's a Christian would say that he is, and that you can see this through not only the amazing good things that happen in your life, but the kind of joy you can get as a Christian from when things happen that are bad, right? That you know that the God of the universe is there for you. And it's a kind of feeling that as an atheist, I never felt. I never felt as if like when things got bad, that there was a, a reason for it or that there was someone to support me or that I could do anything. But upon getting saved, let me tell you, everything changed. And everything does change. Um, what's so amazing is when you get saved and when you know that, man, it's a really a hard week and then you pray to God or you or you uplift God and then not only do your spirits rise, that's called joy. It's not happiness, but joy. But things around you begin to put on a new light. You begin to have a spring in your step. And it's not because of any necessarily a supernatural thing, but drawing closer to God brings you closer to goodness. God is good. He is all that is good. Therefore, the closer you draw to him, the better things get. And look, let's not, let's not mince words here. You can say that God is irrelevant if you would like to. And you can say that God's not real. But barring any future scientific evidence, which I'm going to bring forth in like later segments of the show um, and on toward the end of the series, but Christian beliefs are not um, unfounded. Thousands of the world's top thinkers, including J.R.R. Tolkien, C.S. Lewis, Martin Luther King, and, and also George Washington believed in God, the Christian God. And not only that, but staked their life on it. C.S. Lewis's whole Narnia book was geared towards talking about Christ and the church. These people framed their life around it. J.R. Tolkien wrote his book in order to display good and evil. Right? So what's even better is that we have George Washington here saying, it is impossible to rightly govern a nation without God and the Bible. What he was saying was basically, how can you have a nation built upon such values as what was, as what was inspired by our founding fathers without a God? See, your rights that you're given were given to you by God. God has ordained that you have the rights that you have, and not only that you have the rights that you have, but that you get to then enjoy them, right? And these rights were, were, were codified in our Constitution. But what's really awesome is to know that we are a nation under God. This nation was founded by deists. And by deists, I mean those that believe in God. Back then, deists was a different term than it is now. But what's important to know is that this nation was founded by God, and therefore it's going to flourish under God. The further that we get away from God, the further that a nation will no longer be blessed. And that's not like directly because of a spiritual field that encompasses the country. It's because the more actions you take and the closer that you draw to Christ, the better things become for you spiritually and oftentimes physically. So if we take religion out of school, if we take and ban churches from 
from talking about Christ, all these things, right? The kind of attitude of the nation can keep us from being closer to God, right? What's great, though, is that God loves each and individual person, right? So your relationship with him is what matters more than I would say the culture does like individually. Because if each one of us were to individually believe in Jesus and to live for him, that would begin to affect change around us. It's impossible once you believe in God, once you have him in your heart, to not affect change around you. He's going to make things better. You're going to get more involved. You're going to start your self-discovery tour. I can honestly tell you, though it may have been because my frontal lobe wasn't fully developed because I wasn't 25. That's my excuse. But my decisions in life and my cognizance in life truly did not grow until I fully gave myself over to Christ. It caused me to think more. It wanted me to be a better person. There's just so many reasons why being a Christian isn't just about good feelings and faith and how it has to do with life-altering and life-changing decisions in a, in a mindset like a mindset of self-criticism, right? Because as a Christian, we don't just get to say that we believe in Christ and it's all over. We have a lot more that's at stake here. Each, each day as a Christian, you're looking at yourself, you're praying, God's exposing all of your flaws and all of your sins, right? He's, you're asking for forgiveness. They're forgiven. You're a whole new person. That happens every single day, arguably every single minute, because God never stops, right? He's sitting right there next to you. He exists in the very air that you breathe which to me is super cool. Because if you ever wonder where God is, you don't have to really wonder. He's always there with you, right? So also, let's look at if evolution were true, right? From a biblical standpoint, how could we, apes, name ourselves when we were in the garden? See, God had us name each one of his creatures to show that man has dominion over the earth, right? So if we were to be there in Eden, in the garden, naming other animals. How could we be apes? This is probably my biggest gripe with the whole like evolution argument. Even further, the ultimate evolutional evolutionary being is the one that has the highest chromosomes, which technically is a fern. So I don't think that we're all destined to be ferns, right? Everything that begins to exist had a cause. Philosophically speaking, if the universe began, then it had a cause, right? God created the universe. Therefore, he is the epicenter of all things. You can't have matter. Matter doesn't come from matter. Like Matter doesn't come from nothing. That's just not how it works. You don't just snuff out matter. Matter goes somewhere. So you can't have the Big Bang unless God created it. Just randomly happening and then creating matter. It just doesn't exist. There is a God. And so most cultures will tell you that, that there is a God. Most cultures will show you that they believe in something as a creation because the idea of there not being a creator kind of makes it pretty abysmal to live here, to be honest. If you live in this world without any thought of a creator, my first question is, when you dream for aspirations... Are you achieving these aspirations for an end? Like, what's the point in being a good husband if there's not a, a foundation upon which you're doing so? Like, it's not enough to just be good. Because first of all, good is subjective. We can see so many cultures throughout our world, you know, North Korea, China, Russia, certain other countries, tribes, that their moral subjective good is not the same as, as the Christian moral, moral subjective good. And I'm saying that 
our moral good is subjective, subjectively true, and subjectively better in the fact that it's based upon a holy and good God. Right, so God is not theoretical. He is intimately part of our lives and even brought his son down to give us eternal life by forgiving our sins through his sacrifice. He cares more than anyone or anything could ever care about us. As C.S. Lewis said, I believe in Christianity the same way as I believe that the sun has risen. Not because I see it, but that by it, I see everything else. What that means is everything in this world is so beautiful. Most things, except for those bad occurrences that happen, our pollution, you know, those kind of things. But what's great is that we have this world, like the natural world proves God. The way everything works together the way that it does, the way that we're still living the way we are, the way that the, the, the planet's in the exact purple, purple, perfect spot to be in. All this stuff works together. All of it. God is evident in all things. Now, this is why there are so many religions, right? So where this kind of leads toward is talking about how if we can say that there is a God, and if we can say that our God is true, coming from the standpoint of different religions, because you're acknowledging the fact that there can't not be a creator, right? How do you get to the Christian God? Like, where does that path lead? And do all paths lead to God? I'd say no. There's one path to God, and that's Jesus. We'll get to more of that in a minute. But Romans 1, 19 through 21 says, Since what can be known or what is known about God is evident among them, because God has shown it to them, for his invisible attributes, that is, his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly seen since the creation of the world, being understood through what he has made. As a result, people are without excuse, for though they knew God, they did not glorify him as God or show gratitude. Instead, their thinking became nonsense, and their senseless minds were darkened. So, as a key phrase here, claiming to be wise, the Bible says, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man, birds, four-footed animals, and reptiles. Let's go back here. His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen since the creation of the world, being understood through what he has made. When scientists discover new things, that's not news to God. He created all these things, and he has made them available to us. And as a result, people are without excuse. You can see God, rainbows. You can see God, birds chirping. He provides for all of these things. It's kind of wild. If you don't eat or drink anything for a day, you'll die. Well, not like a day. I think you get like a week and a half possibly two weeks. And with a modicum of effort, you can honestly feed yourself, whether you eat grass or something you do, but that's consciously you doing so. Animals are not conscious. They provide food. They get food. They drink water. They know when to do so. And yes, that that's created by instincts. But what that really is, is God. And he'll provide for you just as he provides for them. What's cool about us, though, is that we are being provided for personally by Jesus Christ, who shed his own blood just so that you could come to his kingdom, right? So let's get real. John 14, 6 says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. What that means is you need to believe in Jesus. And not just because 
the Bible tells you to, but because how else can you have a remission of sins without a sacrifice? Even since the Old Testament, there are always sacrifices. That's how all of this begins. There's a, there's a sacrifice for this. You sacrifice an animal for this. And it, it, like it made the tribes right. And then the New Testament comes and the people expect, especially Jews, expect for you to be rendered right through your actions. Well, if that were the case, honestly don't know how you run a religion off of you doing your actions correctly. Because the whole reason for the New Testament and for Jesus was to make all of those myriad 600 plus laws rendered null. Because there's no way that you can follow them all. If you were to just follow the rules and things would be great, there there would be honestly no point for government or the religion. The whole reason why there are laws is for those who break them, because eventually they're going to get broken. If you tell your kid not to crayon on the wall and he's two years old, he's probably going to crayon on the wall at some point. What's great, though, is that when he does, when he when that happens, when he or she does so, you can scold them. You can show them how not to do that, and then you can forgive them. And what's great is that that is a beautiful lesson when you show your kid that, hey, this is wrong. I forgive you. You know, let's go eat a cookie. This is what Christ does. Without Christ, there would be no forgiveness and there'd be no cookie. And I don't know about you, but cookies are life, especially white macadamia nut cookies. But honestly, most religions don't have a redeemer. You know, they have God, and that's great. But they don't have the threefold God. They don't have the Holy Spirit, which constantly leads you throughout your life which consciously consciously, and cons- consistently shows you the correct way. Like you know when something, is, when something is wrong. You can pray at any time and draw closer to God, and the Holy Spirit can give you wisdom. Right? Not only that, but you have Jesus, the Son, who came down as your sacrifice. See, we sacrifice something every day. You have to choose God, just like you have to choose your wife. You don't just wake up and then just love your wife. I mean, that's great if you do. But you're consciously choosing your wife because she's beautiful or because you love her or because of her um, making an amazing dinner for you the the previous night. See, with God, it can be harder to choose him just because he's not sitting there next to you in the bed. He's not reading with you by the fire from your point of view. What's cool is that he is there. But with God, you need to spend time with him and commune with him. It's not like you can just sit down and have a two-way conversation. That can happen. God is the God of doing it, and anything can happen. But this relationship requires effort, and it requires time, and it requires you to give yourself to Jesus. And what's cool is that that will not be returned upon God void. That will not be not respected by Jesus. You'll see him through talking to him. So I'm very thankful for everybody who listens to the show. Um, this is the first episode. It's going to be a rough, a rough episode. Things will get better through time. And I just want everyone to know that God does love you. And what's so cool is that at any time, you can always ask God into your heart. Literally, just saying, God, I ask for you to be in my heart. Go find you a church. Go find you a pastor. Go find you someone who's spiritually active and get them to pray with you. Get them to plug you in. Find a way to read God's word, to hear people's testimonies. Church is a great vehicle for this because you get to hear a pastor. People come to Christ while they're in the church. Um, 
when, when we're all drawing together, the crisis is really close to us, you know, where two or more are gathered, there he is. So I, I recommend these things. And I also recommend you to read once you're strong in your faith, once you've really dug deep into what you believe in and what you really want to do with your faith, that you begin to see how other religions live and how, how they believe. Ultimately, what is the point in having all this word of God and having these beliefs if you can't defend them? So while this show isn't a definitive, data-driven PowerPoint into why you should believe in Jesus Christ, that too will come, like in later episodes. You need to be able to not only like defend religion, but to defend it calmly. There's no point in yelling. There's no point in screaming. And there's no point in giving dogmatic answers to questions. We have facts and logic on our side here in Christianity. Tons of them. And like we'll dive into that later. But the key point is never just settle upon what you read or listen to. You need to dive, dive deep. You need to commune with God on this. Pray to Him about this stuff. Ask for Him to show you how to defend your religion. Because I can't show you how to do it. I can just give you resources. So, thanks for listening, and I deeply appreciate you walking through this podcast journey with me. It's going to be a long journey, I hope. I'll be working to add forums um, so that once you become a member, or if you want to get active with our culture that I'm going to create, that you totally can. Um, Please join me. If you have feedback on the show, and if it made an impact in your life, email me and let me know. You can find the show's website at www.thewhitakershow.com, T-H-E. W-H-I-T-A-K-E-R-S-H-O-W.com, thewhitakershow.com. It'll have my email there as well. The site has news about the show and many, many more features for you. If you do need to know what's going on, I will post active news so that you can see what what I'm doing, what I left out, what I know is not there, and then your feedback helps me to make a better show. So this is a personal journey for me that I'm inviting you to go on with me. So buckle up and let's glorify God through research words, faith by bringing people together through a podcast that is technically the end of the show i need to let you know though um this show is supported by you and exclusively by you this is my venture but it's done through you right so it's set up basically to where there are subscriptions and donations subscriptions support me that's you loving the show and wanting to support me in it and then there are donations donations go directly to the show that is for better equipment, for more content, for a better space. Basically, you want to see this the show grow if you donate. And if you subscribe, you want to see me grow. And I appreciate all these things. We're going to create this culture together. We're going to create excellent content together. And I look for your involvement. Have a blessed day.